Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today and tomorrow, and then basically it's the vacation carousel for the next month. Loren's off today, tomorrow. I'm off Wednesday, Thursday, and then you're gone, Greg, starting Friday for a couple of weeks. And then you're gone for a week when I get back. Yep. And then, uh, and then who knows? knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, stormy start to the morning. I was uh, sitting on my couch just kind of waking up, and uh, it was about 3.30. So I guess it was actually post-shower already. And uh, I see this flash, and then this loud crack of thunder. I'm like, oh, Sounds pretty cool from up here. You didn't need a shower today. You just needed to take some uh, Irish Spring soap <laughs> and your shampoo and go stand out in the middle of Osborne Street, and you could have had a shower there. Saved your saved your water bill. <laughs> it was coming down uh, like buckets in Osborne Village and then downtown. Was it raining in your oh. neck of the woods when you left? Oh, yeah. The uh, the curb of my street was, was filled with water. I had to go over and kind of kick some some of the leaves out of the uh, drain basin there in front of my house so that water would flow a little bit more. Yeah, it was coming down pretty good. It was clapping thunder pretty loudly, lots of lots of lightning, and in fact, uh, bolt of lightning. It was just coincidental, and then the, uh, the street lights on Chief Pegwis Trail flashed on and off, and I was wondering, oh boy, going to have a power outage uh, in my neck of the woods, but uh, things seem to be okay so far but yeah that was quite the storm this morning so uh, let us know what you're seeing because uh, just looking you know we're up on the 30th floor here at 201 portage so depending on what direction we're we're looking we might see blue sky to the east but we're then you look to the west and it looks like it could be raining uh further west and just looking at the radar right now it's a very it's quite the mixed bag uh throughout southern manitoba it does look like a patch of rain is passing through winnipeg right around now and and all throughout southern manitoba um, so just feel free to let us know, 204-780-6868, what are you seeing? And we'll have more with Kayla in a moment because the uh, the warning situation has changed dramatically just in the last couple of hours here in Manitoba. Also, Mackling Friday night was an exciting time at Igfield. It really... Call it that. <laughs> <laughs> you can go ahead and call it that. It's... Uh... Wow, it's not often that a game that's billed as this clash of the titans turns into that. Often sports fans are disappointed in the ultimate result. Now, obviously, the Blue Bombers win again, 12 wins in a row, and I think it's 21-1 and in their last 22 games at Ig Field. (laughs) And the Blue Bombers now solidly in first place in the CFL West. Saskatchewan lost to Toronto and touchdown Atlantic out in Nova Scotia. And so the Bombers looking really good as they begin a three-game road trip in Edmonton Friday night. We'll catch up with Derek Taylor at 8.37 to talk about some of the, you know, the headlines and the storylines coming out of the game on Friday night. Uh, last, you know, second play, the Blue Bombers, the football gods were smiling down as the uh, Calgary Receiver Jordan goes into the end zone, makes a diving attempt at the ball, and it ends up in the hands of Blue Bomber defensive back to Mario Houston for the interception to to uh, seal the deal, so to speak. It was an exciting night. Almost 30,000 people there, Brett. It was hot as Hades <laughs> at IG Field. But boy, oh boy, I would have to say 
the atmosphere in the stadium Friday night rivaled that of the West final last December against Saskatchewan. Really? The fans were really into it. It, it was very impressive. It was a rocking time at IG Field on Friday. Yeah, looking at the uh, at some of the highlights on that I just saw uh, roaming Twitter, uh, it looked like it was a really fun time. On Friday. The amount of, I said this in the pregame show, Brett, I was scanning the crowd. Uh, my boys were at the game on on Friday night, and I, I you know, I kind of walked away from them, and I looked back to see where they were, and I lost them almost immediately mm-hmm. in the sea of blue and gold, in the jerseys and the hats. The amount of merchandise that Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans wear and own and display at these home games is very, very impressive. Like, uh, the, the Blue Bombers really are the uh, flagship franchise of the CFL right now, and they really own the hearts and and minds of a lot of sports fans in our community. It's uh, something special going on with the Blue Bombers right now. Well, you're wearing a bomber. That's a bomber shirt, right? Sure is. Yeah. Yep. I got a bomber hat on right now, so... We are also brandishing our, proudly brandishing our Blue Bomber merchandise. And what's your T-shirt say? Is that one of those Winnipeg is good T-shirts? Yeah, from our friend uh, Carly. Carly Tardiff made these, uh, had these made, uh, what, going back three years now, I think? Maybe even four? So, surprised us. Well, it, it, you know what? I had to go back to this one because it's an XL and uh, <laughs> pandemic weight a little bit. LOL. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry McNabb off for a couple of days. In our next segment, we're going to talk about the hidden gems of southern Manitoba because I found one on Saturday. I had a great time with listener Johnny, who invited me out with some friends to participate in something out there. So we'll tell you more about that in our next segment. And then Mackling, after 7 o'clock, uh, seventh wave. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to talk about it, but we have to talk about we it. We do have to talk about it, and it's something that's happening all around us. It's probably happening here, but we're not getting a ton of information from our provincial government, from our health leaders here. I don't know if that will change over the next week or two, but we will take you to Ontario to find out what's going on there and the approach. And also want to ask you a question about masks. I was at Starbucks a couple of times this weekend. My buddy Scott was in town. He's a Starbucks fanatic. I typically do not go to Starbucks. I'm a Tim Hortons guy. And I was shocked, if not surprised, to see how many people were wearing masks in the Starbucks. I was there for a total of about an hour and a half over the two days. And I would say a third of the customers who walked into the store were wearing a mask of one type or another. So curious as to what you're seeing out there. Are you seeing more? Are you seeing less? Uh, just uh, what are you seeing and what's your approach on the mask front? And before we get into what we're about to do here, Mackling, I see we have some things in our text line you would like to flag. Yeah, just getting uh, some fantastic pictures from a couple of our listeners. Uh, uh, Eve and Ray have sent us pictures of rainbows from earlier this morning. And then from last night, just after 5 o'clock, one of our listeners sent us a picture from Highway 75 just uh, by Emerson of some heaved and cracked and basically destroyed concrete. It looks as though a construction crew was there deconstructing this section of highway. The heat has obviously had a toll on some sections of road, and this is a vivid example of what you might encounter. Don't know 
what's happening with this stretch of highway at the moment. I went on the Manitoba Highways website. doesn't indicate that it's closed either northbound or southbound on 75 near Emerson. But what are you seeing? Are you encountering some heaved concrete and uh, some obstacles that wouldn't otherwise be there? We'd like to hear from you. 204 204-780-6868. As you've been hearing in Global News with Sarah McCarthy, water safety experts are asking you to take extra caution cooling off at the lake or the pool as National Drowning Prevention Week begins on the heels of sweltering heat. Global's Rosanna Hempel has more. Learning how to swim is key in preventing drownings, but the general manager of H2O Academy says swimming lessons are still hard to come by as facilities play catch up from the pandemic. We're in extremely high demand right now. We're just starting to get over a little bit of our backlog from the pandemic, but there's still way more to go. Kayla McMurchie says they're managing a wait list of families concerned their children are falling behind. There's been tons of families that we unfortunately have not been able to accommodate. A problem that Christopher Love with Life Saving Society Manitoba says isn't being helped by instructor and lifeguard shortages. As certification courses were put on hold in the last two years and workers found jobs in other fields. You may see reduced hours, you may see a reduced uh, number of courses offered in terms of swimming lessons. The society's executive director says that isn't their only concern this year as water levels remain high from spring flooding. There could be floating debris in the water that boaters and swimmers need to be aware of. Um, beaches that are were once there are no longer there because of, um, you know, so it, it can be quite deep. Stacy Grachalski urges waitlisted parents to keep calling facilities as certifications and staffing levels get back on track. Rosanna Hempel, Global News. So that's some perspective from Manitoba, but as we mentioned, it's National Drowning Prevention Week, and Global's Jaden Wozni in Kelowna, B.C., shares a bit of a scary story from the water. Luckily for Jackie Morrow and her wife Valerie, they did have their life jackets on when they went out for a ride in their kayaks, but admittedly, Jackie says sometimes they don't. That won't be the case anymore after their dog jumped into the water, causing a string of frightening events. And I had to get out of the boat and go and grab her and put her into Val's boat. And in the meantime, my boat filled up with water. It flipped over in the rush. And I don't even know what would have happened if we wouldn't have had our life jackets on. The incident left the two feeling understandably shaken up, but it serves as a great reminder about being prepared when going out on the water. Oh, absolutely. It, it wasn't... Uh... Fun. So far this year, there have been 15 drownings in B.C. compared to 26 at this same time last year. Executive Director of the Life Saving Society says that's still 15 too many. Drowning is actually the, the third leading cause of unintentional death uh, in Canada. So it's, uh, it's very high and, and much higher than the Life Saving Society would like to see. So that's the purpose of National Drowning Prevention Week is just to bring awareness of the things people can be thinking about before they head to the waters. And in Alberta, a tragic reminder of why this week is so important as a man is dead after his boat capsized on Saturday on Wabaman Lake, which is west of Edmonton. Global's Nicole Stilger has more on that. The beach was packed at Wabaman Lake Saturday. People were soaking up the nice weather when the day took a tragic turn. And all of a sudden you could see 
fire rescue, RCMP, everything like that showed up and there was word of that there was an unattended boat on the lake. When we got back down to the dock here, they were performing CPR on someone they pulled out of the water and put him, loaded him in the ambulance. Parkland RCMP say they received a report of a capsized boat on Wabaman Lake Saturday afternoon. Witnesses say it happened around 3. When police arrived, firefighters had pulled a 56-year-old man out of the water. RCMP say it's believed the victim was part of a training exercise with a local volunteer group. Families were leaving, the beach cleared out pretty quickly, yeah. but yeah, no, like this happens, sadly. The tragedy, a reminder of how dangerous it can be out on the water and how quickly things can take a devastating turn. It can happen within seconds, um, unfortunately. It, it, with the cold water, sometimes your body will just instantly go into shock. You might have a cardiac arrest. Sometimes there is, unfortunately, no hope. Luke Jevney is president of the Underwater Search Team. The volunteer nonprofit conducts underwater recoveries across Alberta. Last year, he says they were called out 19 times between July and October. 19 times uh, too many as well. And it, it's, uh, it really is a, a, a harsh reminder, but such an important reminder as well, especially hearing the voice in that story saying it, things can turn in seconds. You think you're good? And then quickly realize not so good. Yeah, and that's uh, where the training comes in. Those uh, life jackets are so critical. Uh, understanding what you might encounter when it comes to water. Uh, we used to have a pool in the backyard that yesterday was really wishing it was back in full effect. We know that the water can have such a great impact uh, for those that may not have air conditioning. Uh, finding water can be a, a refuge from this oppressive heat and uh, if you haven't got the skills to go with being in these larger bodies of water and a swimming pool, uh, it can be, unfortunately, be very tragic. So we will uh, have the conversation throughout the week about, you know, water education. It's, it's a big part of our lives and far too many of us, I think, take our relationship with the water for granted. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off for a couple of days. We have two tickets for Valor FC versus Calvary FC at IG Field Wednesday, August 3rd. And right now we want to talk about hidden gems of Southern Manitoba because I found one on Saturday. On Friday, listener Johnny, who lives south of the city, he texted us to say, Hey, Brett, you want to come play in our golf tournament tomorrow? And at first I thought, oh, and I have a lot of stuff I want to do on Saturday. And then I thought about it through the day, and I thought, well, do I really feel like cleaning my apartment, or would I rather go golfing? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to go golfing. And it was at a course that I never played. It's called uh, Jerusalem, uh, spelled G-I-R-O-U-X-S-A-L-E-M. And it's uh, near Steinbach. And usually when I go golfing near Steinbach, I play the Steinbach fly-in course. Uh, it's a fun course, and they, now they've got a San Lucia pizza for their clubhouse, so there's another reason to go there. <laughs> but he, he was going to Jerusalem, and I thought, why not? I've never been. And it's a lovely nine-hole course. I was so impressed with the how it, it was in terrific shape. It was super fun. It was super challenging. Really a great hospitality from the staff there. And I got to meet Johnny, who texts us all the time, and his buddies Rick and Rob were super fun to hang out with. So it was a great day. In 
at a course I've never played, and now I hope to make it part of my at least once a year rotation. Oh, right on! That's great. Yeah, so I was really happy to make to discover this because that's how I explore Southern Manitoba is through golf. So I'm thrilled about that. So, what is your Southern Manitoba hidden gem? Could be a place, could be a region, hiking trail, could be a business, a restaurant, whatever. And it doesn't necessarily have to be outside of Winnipeg. Maybe you've stumbled onto something in Winnipeg you didn't even know existed. 204-780-6868. Mackling, why don't we start with you? Well, I was, you know, <laughs> a few years ago looking for things to do with my boys, and my uh, sister lives in southern, southwestern Manitoba, and we were on an adventure to go and see her in Cartwright. And so we took that southern route as opposed to maybe driving out to Brandon and then heading south to Boys of Vane and then, and then back to see my sister. We went down through Carmen, we went through Morden, and we went through Miami and Holland. Where else in the world can you go to Miami and Holland in one <laughs> afternoon? But I was blown away by Morden, Manitoba, and the number of things that you can do in that community. That commu- Canadian fossil and Discovery Center is fantastic. Bruce the whatever the Mosasaur. The Mosasaur. He's like that is worth a visit alone. In the same recreation complex, they also have the Manitoba a baseball hall of fame and museum is a tremendous museum. I see they've got on Lake uh, Minnewasta, they've got one of those big uh, splish splash water parks with the giant inflatables on the lake this year. And then of course, Minnewasta itself, if you're a golfer, one of the great golf courses in our province. So, uh, the food choices along the way or on the way back. Hello, Carmen. Hello, Sills. Uh, terrific options there as well. So uh, my vote goes to Morden, Manitoba as a, as a hidden gem, an underrated vacation slash tourist destination. Excellent choice, Mr. Mackling. I love going out to Morden, and we were just negotiating yesterday. When can we figure out how to get, when we can get down there? Let's uh, go next to Sarah McCarthy filling in for Jeff Braun this week. Welcome, Sarah. Hello. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty new to Winnipeg, so haven't really ventured outside of Winnipeg yet. But uh, what else to do this weekend other than get ice cream? It was incredibly hot. Um, and so found one actually right near my place that I'm, I didn't know it was there. I mean, I drove by it every single day, apparently, and uh, just ended up finding it this weekend. It's called Nine Below. So if you haven't checked it out, it's very good. I think it's Nine Below and Charlie's Burgers. They do have some nice diner food as well. So. Where's that? Uh, it's just by, sort of by Kildonan Park, actually, so... Yeah. Mackling, you're nodding in a, an agreement? Yeah. I heard about <laughs> it for the first time yesterday oh, myself. Really? really? Yeah, okay. one of my friends says, you got to go check it out. It's in sort of in the neighborhood at yeah. the end of Chief Pegwis Trail. Yeah. Down around, Rain, uh, you know, Kildonan Park. I always say Rainbow Stage because yeah. that's the highlight of Kildonan Park for mm-hmm. me. So it's on my list, Sarah. So thank you very much for reinforcing that yes. suggestion. There's your sign to go. Thank you kindly. <laughs> Cameron Poitras. Oh, my nephew works there, so I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you should uh, tread a little bit more lightly. I'm just kidding, of course. But uh, actually, around that same area, uh, Macbeth Park. I figure I found that place for the first time just recently. Uh, had a had a, a you know the beautiful 100 year old home. It's got like tall grass prairie in the area, river valley, lush trees, flora, all that stuff. Very nice walking path. You know, perfect night out. I went out there, got eaten alive by mosquitoes, got stuck in the quicksand mud, uh, got attacked by a swooping hawk, which I had to battle um, <laughs> in the middle of the of the path. It was a 
I, I, I was victorious, by the way, if you're wondering. Nine-foot wingspan, talons, six-inch talons, you know, eyes like cold steel, evil, evil beast. But uh, I was ma- able to manage to, to defeat it. But great walking, <laughs> yeah, Macbeth Park. Go check it out. So watch out for the Hawks. And I think that park in particular, uh, I think that Macbeth Park might have the oldest trees in Winnipeg. It was Brent Bellamy who was tweeting about that last year or a couple of years ago. I'd have to confirm that, but I think that's the park. Does it feel like Middle Earth? Uh, well, of course, you know me, Brett. Of course, I'm always looking for Middle Earth everywhere I go. Yeah, it does. It's 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 really cool. It's worth checking out for sure. Oh, and he says uh, he, this tree known as the Macbeth Cottonwood is thought to be the oldest tree in Winnipeg at the least 160 years old. Uh, so that was, he tweeted that back in July of 2020. Forte, what about you? I'm also going to say a park, and I haven't been here in years, and that's Harborview Park, uh, right on Springfield Road. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just, it's such a cool little park. And I, like I said, I haven't been there in years, so I don't know if the restaurant is still open there. I know they have a nine-hole golf course. They have a, a body of water where I think you can uh, rent a paddle boat and you can go out on the water. It's just, it's a really, really beautiful park. And uh, I should go visit there. I haven't been there in a, in a long, long time. I spent a lot of time there when I was a kid. And you're right, they do have a little nine-hole golf course. And it's fun. It's a super fun little course and probably a really great place to uh, to take the kids to teach them how to play golf if you so choose. So, at 204-780-6868, tell us about your favorite hidden gem in southern Manitoba for a chance to win tickets for Valor FC versus Cavalry FC at IG Field Wednesday, October 3rd. We'll pick a winner just after 9.15. Mackling, we're covering all the official meteorological terms this morning. Raining cats and dogs. <laughs> Earlier when uh, you mentioned 114 degrees Fahrenheit, we declared that that equals a lot yes. in Celsius. Very, very official very official <laughs> measurements, Brett McGarry. 45.556 degrees, I think, is one of our oh. listeners pointed out. <laughs> it's 21 degrees outside 680 CJOB. And maybe with some rain, depending on where you are. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off for a couple of days. And right now, we just want to get right into this year with our question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid worried about your debt call 204-987-6890 creditaid.ca pretty simple question do you still wear masks in public your options are always sometimes almost never or nope i'm done so that's at cjob.com we'll also put that up on twitter and on instagram at 680 cjob Uh, as the seventh wave uh, and by the way, Greg, it looks like there's a, uh, some audio that's supposed to be in this story. It's not there. Uh, so while I'm reading this, you can uh, look for that audio. I will make that happen, my friend. But as a seventh wave of COVID-19 makes its way in Canada, long-term care facilities in some provinces are seeing a major spike in infections. In Ontario, COVID-19 outbreaks in long-term care homes more than doubled in the first week of July. That's according to the province's public health unit. Total of 42 outbreaks were reported in the long-term care sector during the week of July 3rd to the 9th, according to the province's latest data, and that's a 110% increase from the previous week's 20 reported outbreaks. Yeah, that's right. And uh, just finding this audio here right now, uh, Brett. So here's Global News reporty, reporter, rather, Brittany Rosen, who has more on this story. Amid the seventh wave of... 
comes another shot at getting vaccinated. Millions of Ontarians are now eligible for their fourth dose, but many are still on the fence. I feel that I'm pretty protected as of right now, so I would probably wait a little bit, yeah. The indecision directly stems from the chief medical officer of health, who said healthy Ontarians are not obligated to get the shot. Instead, he suggested they could wait for the latest version of the vaccine, which should be available in the fall. But epidemiologists say waiting comes with a risk. Your body's ability to prevent infection has decreased. And assuming infection or, or when infected, your body's ability to prevent a more severe infection has also decreased. Let's call it 10, 20, 10 to 30 percent. In emergency rooms, doctors say they're seeing a trend. The most severe people we're seeing in hospital now are people who didn't get boosted in the last six to eight months. There are currently 119 COVID-related patients in intensive care across the province, and doctors are urging people not to delay. The older you are, um, the more that waiting has consequences for you, like ending up in hospital. But even if you're younger, um, if you're above 18, below 50, it could still make the difference um, having a booster from, you know, shivering in bed for a couple of weeks versus getting a light cold. While some will wait it out, others are treating it with urgency. I mean, I'd get both then. I think there's no, the, the best thing and the best way to get out of this is if everybody builds up enough immunity. I mean, why not? What's the risk of it? I mean, and I'm not going to, it's not going to do anything bad other than boost your immune system, right? Not willing to take the risk as cases continue to grow. Brittany Rosen, Global News. So Ontario, like Manitoba and other provinces across the country, is no longer reporting daily COVID cases. According to Dr. Kieran Moore, in Ontario, the province's chief medical officer of health, the seventh wave of no novel coronavirus could peak in that province within the next two weeks. Here in Manitoba, Brett, we are wondering what your approach is. Are you waiting for whatever reason for that third or fourth booster? If you are eligible, all adults over the age of 18, 18 in our province are eligible for that third dose or first booster. Now, when it comes to the fourth dose or the second booster eligibility, residents of personal care homes and elderly persons housing congregate living sites, such as supportive housing and assistant assisted living, pardon me, the no age limit there, individuals aged 50 or older who live in the community, as well as First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people aged 30 or older, regardless of where they live, and individuals 18 to 49 years who are moderately to severely immunocompromised and who are uncertain about whether to receive a second booster or when to receive one. You can uh, discuss those options with your health care provider. And the other question is regarding mask usage. Our, as we asked you in our question of the day, are you seeing more or fewer people wearing masks? Yeah, and I said that I had seen uh, a considerable number of people using masks in Starbucks. My two visits there this weekend, Saturday and Sunday morning. And it's probably the highest percentage that I'd seen of people in any location using masks in the last little while. And some people are saying, no, nah, I never wear the mask. Some people wondering, why are we even talking about this? The masks don't protect you uh, from getting the virus. You know, you have that... Uh, that conversation with a lot of people, but others saying, hey, look, that's what we should be doing to protect others around you. And I mentioned, Brett, the fact that quite often, I mentioned this off the air, my sons and I, when we're out in a boat, we'll have a mask on our wrist just in case, like if the staff is wearing a mask, 
I have no problem putting it on because if they're taking that effort and making that effort to protect me, I'm willing to do that for them. If nobody is wearing them, then I think I might be like you in being very comfortable maskless at this point. Yeah, the only places where I am going to wear a mask at work, I'll wear a mask at the grocery store. Because that's other people's food, and I got no problem there. Of course, if I go into some sort of a medical facility, obviously, and um, I wear one when I get my cap in the morning. Right. But otherwise, I'm sort of, I, I wouldn't fall in the nope, I'm done category, but I guess I would be almost never, really, because I, I only wear them uh, where I have to, which is at work, and other, just a couple of other spots. But feel free to weigh in at cjob.com. You can text us at 204-780-6868. And again, we'll get that question up on Twitter and on Instagram at 680-CJOB. And uh, regarding the weather, Mr. Mackling, what are we seeing? We are seeing more thunder in West Kildonan from one of our listeners. And, of course, you mentioned Andy's text about that dan- downpour down around St. Vitell earlier, complete with thunder and lightning. And uh, one of our listeners says no power in Lorette currently. So uh, keep us up to date. Let us know what you're seeing, what you're experiencing. You are our eyes and ears outside of our studio, and we appreciate it. 204 780 <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing at it. We always get feedback like this in response to any time we talk about COVID. I love this. The C-Jab, always pushing Trudeau's fear. Does anybody, do, like, do these people even listen to what we just discussed? <laughs> Makes me laugh, though, every time I see that. The C-Jab. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. Coming up at 8.35, we're talking some feet balls with Derek Taylor, Mr. Mackling. That's right. We'll take a look back at Friday night's Champs versus Stamps, and the Champs prevailed. It was a last play, more or less, couple of plays afterwards, but the Stampeders had the tying touchdown, at least conceivably, on the hands of one of their top receivers, and it ended up in the arms of... Winnipeg Blue Bomber defensive back to Mario Houston. You know, sometimes we hype these games as best versus best and 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 a battle of the Titans, and it doesn't necessarily go down that way. I think it checked almost all the boxes Friday night. The energy inside inside IG Field was incredible. It was palpable. The fans were really, really into it. And uh, well, yeah, we'll talk about the Blue Bombers uh, moving to six and zero, and and what's up next for them. We've been talking a lot about the housing market. Bank of Canada last week raised the key interest rate by a full percentage point. That's going to hurt those with variable mortgages or maybe keep some people just out of the housing market because not everyone can afford to buy a home, which means they have to rent. But is renting becoming too expensive too? Let's have a discussion. Josh Brandon is the community animator with the Social Planning Council of Winnipeg. Good morning, Josh. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate your insight on this. Affordable housing has been a topic of conversation for a long, long time in in this city. Is renting getting too expensive for a portion of the population? Absolutely. You know, there's uh, over uh, 50,000 households in Manitoba uh, who face uh, affordability pressures. They're living in housing that costs uh, more than... 30% 30% of their income, and the majority of those families are in the renter mar- renter's market. Uh, rents are going up in spite of 
a uh, a freeze on rents in the early months of the pandemic and then uh, a uh, rent control and uh, and other devices that uh, the government has uh, in place uh, rents are still going up landlords find ways to increase rents and get around those restrictions so what that means is that more and more families are having to make very difficult choices between paying bills, paying their rent, and uh, putting food on the table. Josh, you know... Uh, that's, that's just increasing with, uh, with the increasing costs that we're seeing. Josh, do you know what the average price is for a one-bedroom in Winnipeg, or the median price? Any, any idea on that? Yeah. Yeah, the median price right now, uh, the, the latest uh, numbers we have from October was uh, just over $1,000. Uh, it was about uh, 1300 for a two-bedroom. and uh, But that's what median prices are. If you're actually on the market looking for an apartment, uh, the availability of apartments at the lower end of that is going to be much lower. And so people are turning to renting in the secondary market, renting uh, you know, condo units and other places like that. And very, very often those, uh, those units are even more expensive just because the availability of the lower-cost housing is, is so much, uh, so, so limited. Josh, when it comes to the lower-priced housing, is there less movement because once somebody finds something that they can afford, uh, they're typically going to stay put for an extended period of time? Or can you help us sort that out? You know, you've, you've hit the nail there. Uh, if, you've, if you're lucky enough to find something affordable, you're going to hold on to it. Uh, very often when units do become available, it's because a landlord is uh, doing renovations or doing other measures that, uh, that raise the cost of the housing. So the, the new units that come on, uh, online are going to be much more expensive than the average. Yeah, then some of the newer properties too, like the the one they're that they're building on Main. Uh, hey, it's, I'm sure it's going to be a, a beautiful building, but expensive. Like one bedrooms in that building start at fifteen ninety five a month. So for those who can afford it, well, great. But is this a trend that concerns you at all? You know that does concern me. The cost of building new housing is very high uh, right across Canada. You know the same supply chain pressures that other industries are facing, uh, the uh, rental construction industry is facing as well. And so that means that uh, new construction, unless it is uh, guaranteed to be affordable, uh, will not be affordable. And very often what we've seen is even some of the units that that receive government subsidies through various levels of government, they're still renting at at those high levels like that, and, and are unaffordable. And so that needs to be a condition uh, for governments, if they are going to provide subsidies, that the units be truly affordable to, uh, to families that are struggling to make ends meet. Josh, help me understand. Uh, I, I'm a guy, uh, I, I've openly discussed this on the air. I have rental properties myself, something that I've done for a long, long time. I think I'm a pretty good landlord. I'm a pr- pretty fair person. And I know that when I started this, the, the vacancy rate was closer to 1% right across most uh, urban centers in Manitoba, including some smaller communities. And now we're seeing it closer to 5%. So isn't more aren't more rental units uh, exactly what we're looking for and that'll create competition and that should ultimately help keep uh, rents uh, reasonable. Uh, talk, talk to us about that philosophy. 
Yeah, you know, uh, that's, that's part of the equation. But we also see many units that are available. They're still renting at, at very high rates. So you talk about an average rate of 5%, uh, you know, varies from month to month. But uh, what we find is that almost all of that is at the upper end. There's very little that's available for families that are, uh, that are struggling, that are, that are lower income. And uh, very often landlords, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, uh, that you're a speculative landlord, but there are landlords that are buying up properties, big housing corporations yep. uh, that are buying up properties and just holding them to speculate, even holding them vacant is, is often profitable for them as housing prices continue to go up. Yeah, and that's. And, uh, I think that's something well, that the government needs to address wholeheartedly and full full throttle on that, Josh. Mm-hmm. The other thing we're seeing a lot of is uh, units being taken up by Airbnbs and other short-term rental accommodations. It's a lot more profitable if you can just rent it on weekends to tourists than to rent it to a family and work with that family month to month. Uh, to provide good quality housing. And so that takes a lot of the affordable housing out of the housing stock as well. And so we need to have regulations around that as well. Josh Brandon, thank you very much for joining us. Josh Brandon is the community animator with the Social Planning Council of Winnipeg, joining us live on 680 CJOB on this important topic. And we appreciate it, Josh. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today. A reminder that we are asking you to tell us about your favorite hidden gems in southern Manitoba. Could be a place, could be a region, could be an attraction. This listener says, my hidden gem is a restaurant slash hotel. It's in a small town, Pilot Mound. It's two hours southwest of Winnipeg. The hotel is called Call-Ins Hotel, and the restaurant is called Wiser's Restaurant and Bar. And I know the owner. The food is fabulous. Good prices. Good healthy portions. Highly recommended. The pizza is to die for. And now suddenly I feel like I need to take a road trip to Pilot Mound because I like good pizza. A bit peckish, Mr. McGarry, after that. Always. Always looking for pizza. It's always on the brain. It's just, it's sort of a perpetual state of affairs. I just have to press pause on it when it's time to eat uh, something like lettuce. Yeah. Tomato, olives, whatever might uh, go alongside. Hey, would you be proud of me or disappointed in me to learn that uh, barbecued hamburgers and hot dogs yesterday? And I've lamented the fact that you know, when I'm at a restaurant, I would never imagine ordering a hamburger and a hot dog or two hot dogs. I only had a hot dog, one single solitary hot dog yesterday. One? One. And they were delicious, but I just had one. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I exercised some self-restraint yesterday. I'm, oh. I'm sort of proud of myself, but I wanted to know if you'd be proud of me as well or disappointed in my lack of consumption of the finer things. Well, neither really. Uh, so more surprised than anything because right. I wouldn't be able to. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. If, if you did, if it was a conscious choice to show some restraint, then yeah, absolutely proud. Yeah, I did. I have to. Yeah, like because they were staring at me. They're beautiful. Uh, these uh, beautiful Angus burgers and like fresh buns. No, nope. <laughs> you know what? That was good. The hot dog was enough. All right. So in the meantime, we're going to pick a winner for our contest just after 9.15. And now, Friday night, 
The Stamps came into Winnipeg to battle the champs for the first time since the 1961 CFL season. A 5-0 team faced a 4-0 team. And for the first time since 1960, the Blue Bombers are now 6-0. This was the play which sealed the deal. Mitchell going for the end zone. Dropped. It's Winnipeg football. Demario Houston. And it's an interception for the Bombers. Yes, Blue Bombers 26, Stamps 19. Derek Taylor is the voice of the blue and gold. Good morning, Derek. Let's begin with the uh, fans at IG Field Friday night, almost 30,000 strong at full throat throughout the game. Don't take our word for it. Here's quarterback Zach Clark. I can't say enough about the atmosphere, you know, that our fans brought tonight. What, that was just so much fun. And, uh, you know, hats off to the fans. That is uh, called Home Field Advantage DT. 12 wins in a row at IG Field. 21 wins in their last 22 home games. Go. Yeah, incredible. There was a point uh, early on in the game. Yeah, we you know, well, wear headphones during the game. Doug and I wore headphones during the game that are connected to our microphone. And they're, they're good at blocking out sound. But it, the crowd noise, even early on, was a little loud. So I asked our operator, hey, can you turn down the crowd noise that's being fed into my headphones? I said, no, DT, that's, uh, it is down. That's, that's the crowd outside. And there's really nothing I can do about that. Thought, oh boy, this is going to be one where I have no idea what volume I'm currently broadcasting at. What, cause all you, all you can do is feel at that point. Man, that was what, 29,456 or whatever the official crowd was. Like they were just ripping into the Calgary Stampeders. It was fantastic. And you can't wait for things like the Banjo Bowl when it's going to be jam packed and, uh, I, I don't know what I can do about my hearing, but uh, it, it may be gone before too terribly long. Now, these big games, Derek, don't always live up to their billing. The two top teams in the league, did Friday's game meet expectations? Oh, absolutely. Back and forth. And, I mean, that play, the one we heard that sealed the game, that could have been the play that sent it to overtime. It was that close. And it was just one of those weird things for Calgary where, you know, they had – uh, probably five drops, I think Doug and I counted during the game, including three by Kamar Jordan was the intended receiver on that one. Uh, one of the league's, you know, top receivers just struggling so badly in that game. And man, the Bombers, you know, could do, could do stuff, but then had some problems. And Calgary could hit them for multiple big plays, be it on the ground or through the air. Uh, but yet here they go once again. All right, well it's our time, and we're going to march down the field, and now we're going to do it again to to put this game, you know. Uh, a one-score game, more than a field goal, out of reach. It was it was exciting from beginning to end because Calgary always brings that threat of oh we're coming. But uh, the Bombers were were better than them on this night. As and as you guys pointed out, uh, incredible run of uh, success at home and, and an incredible run to start the season. Uh, Derek, I really felt the Bombers were the dominant team on Friday night, that Calgary sort of hung around in this one. I know that'll be a point of debate and conversation amongst you, the fans, and the coach tonight. And and along with that, several storylines to dig into on the coach's show. But I want to ask you about this young man. Sorry, G-Max, stand by. We've got the spinning uh, blue wheel of death here. Okay. Kalaris, looking right, got some time. Looking to Agadosi in the end zone. Wow, what a debut. What a debut for Agadosi. Incredible second touchdown of the night. 
Uh, Doug Brown uh, talking about Greg Carr and his debut with the Blue Bombers once upon a time in the last 15 years or so. But it was Carlton Agadosi, seven receptions, 70 yards, two touchdowns in his Blue Bomber debut. He could have had more. Uh, a very good catch was called back on offensive pass interference early in the game. Uh, question for you is this, Derek Taylor. Could he be the real deal? He could be. I mean, that, that performance was fantastic, right? That was the second touchdown in which, uh, fun fact, I was so excited I jumped up and accidentally turned off my microphone, so that's why it sounded the way it did right there. Uh, but uh, think about his first touchdown. Uh, it was going, if you're on the bench, uh, he was going left to right, and he caught it over Trey Roberson in the end zone, you know, the back five yards of the end zone. Uh, not only does he jump up to get it because he's got Trey Roberson by six inches, but I, I was watching it again. The Bombers put out a real nice low-angle shot of it. He jumps and spins in the air to fend off Roberson because he's got to hold him off. Jumps, spins in the air, makes the catch, secures it, goes to the ground, comes up, and he's got a touchdown. Like He's he's tall. You can't get away from the fact that, that he's tall, but he's also fast. He's also clearly got great athleticism by jumping, spinning catches. And then uh, I forget if it was his first catch of the game, but he makes it in the middle of the field, again, going back toward the, the, the big screen. And his moves in the open field, you went, oh, okay, well, well, that's unexpected. Sometimes six six guys are, you know, a little awkward. Me at six feet tall, I'm awkward, so I kind of understand what those guys are like. But sometimes those guys are awkward, but he looked very smooth. He made guys miss on that particular play. And you go, okay, well, for one game, we've seen something super impressive. Um, what we'll find from the Bombers is that it doesn't always matter, you know, if you make these, these spark plays because you've got to be – it's more important, it seems, to Coach O'Shea and the other coaches that you're in the right place at the right time. And we'll see if, if that's the case as it goes along. But, I mean, off of game number one, you can't help but be so impressed by a guy who's been determined to finally get into the lineup and after a year – you know, plus uh, Carlton finally got a chance and just so happy for him. Now, Greg Ellingson moves into the league, lead league for receptions and receiving yards. Is he bringing all to the Blue Bombers that they hoped he would? Oh, uh, absolutely. He He's exactly the kind of receiver the Bombers have wanted for years. He's talked about it. Uh, Coach O'Shea has talked about how they tried for years to Signed Greg Ellingson and, and how Ellingson, you know, always kind of wanted to be in Winnipeg, but some other team, be it the Edmonton Elks, w- would get in the way. He, he's everything you need, right? When you watch the game, you, you can't help but notice that if Zach's in trouble, where's Greg? Where's Greg? Is, he's right there. Okay. He, he tried to fit in the ball, uh, Kolaris did, in between four guys, two defenders underneath him and two over top of him. And th- there are not many situations where that's your your best option or something you would consider. But bless his heart if Zach didn't do it because that was Greg there, right? Ellison is is incredible. Like we, I don't know if if it's possible, but somehow after five 1,000-yard seasons in the Canadian Football League, All-Stars, Grey Cups, I still don't think he's properly credited for the, for the great work that he does. I mean, uh, if you think of his, his – the seminal play of his career was probably in that East – what was it the East Final uh, when he was with the Ottawa Red Blacks? That was mm-hmm. five years ago, six years ago. But all he does is make plays. And when 
when the Bombers, you know, were unable to, you know, give Kenny Lawler the salary he truly deserved because salary caps an unfor- you know, a thing in, in the Canadian Football League, and they signed Greg Ellingson, I thought they're not going to miss a beat because this guy, he works so hard, he does everything so smart, and then when Christian Amell interviewed him on the sidelines about uh, about a great catch he made, this was during halftime, the interview, this fantastic catch he makes on the sidelines, Greg's like, yeah, it's not really a big deal. I don't know why you guys are so hyped about that. It's like, well, because we're amazed at how good you are, whereas you just live in that body. It's <laughs> it's been a treat watching him watch for six games, and that guy is that guy is is one of the linchpins of this offense, and it's so much so much fun to watch. With a six game played each, uh, DT Ellingson has thirty four receptions, five hundred eighteen yards, six games played for Kenny Lawler in Edmonton. He has thirty three receptions, but only three hundred eighty four yards. So we're going to be keeping yeah. a watch on those two and how that all pans out throughout the entire season. Seven till eight tonight, the coaches show. Derek Taylor, Mike O'Shea, lots to discuss. DT, thanks for catching up with us this morning. Thanks, guys. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. We have tickets to see Valor FC versus Cavalry FC at IG Field Wednesday, August 3rd. We're asking you about your favorite hidden gem in southern Manitoba, and this stems from my discovery of a play. Well, I didn't discover anything, but I discovered it's awesome. I never visited this golf course before. I was invited by listener Johnny to participate in a club tournament at Jerusalem, nine-hole course near Steinbach, and it was awesome. It was super fun, and uh, I uh, look forward to playing it again. I hope to play it now at least once a season. So we're asking you about your hidden gems. And uh, here's another golf one. And this listener says mine is Mars Sandhills golf course. It's only 40 to 45 minutes from the city. It's uh, northeast of Winnipeg. It has fantastic scenery. Golf course is always in great shape. I recommend it to any golfer looking for a new course to try. I've played Mars Sandhills a few times. It's fun. I agree. I've played there as well. It's one of my uh, father-in-law's favorite haunts and so he's uh, taken me out there a couple times i endorse your endorsement brett mcgarry carol in north kildonan has a good one uh, relating to saint pierre jolie that yeah, area that's right uh i've mentioned going through saint pierre jolie when i was young to visit my mom's family in rosa river before my dad went into a nursing home we reconnected with my cousin jean and her husband and would visit, uh, they would visit us in Winnipeg. Our close proximity to Highway 51, or 59 here in North Kildonan made the trip an easy one. When Jean's husband passed away, uh, she didn't have, uh, didn't drive very much anymore. Pete, my sister, and I went to visit her. She had property right on the highway that went down to the river. It used to be a farm. I remember there being a lot of chickens running around, but in the more recent times, it was a beautiful, peaceful spot to sit outside after a country dinner. That sounds wonderful. So, Carol, thank you for painting that picture for us. But uh, we're going with this one for our winner. This listener says the hidden gem is, and you'll have to forgive me, I have no idea how to pronounce this, Katimovic? You think that would be it? Katimovic? It's a great place. I'm going with you on this one, my friend. They also call it Masqua Project. And uh, Masqua Project, great place to swim. It was a university project for students to build energy-efficient huts. So I pull open, I look up the website here, masquaproject.org. So that's spelled M-A-S-K-W-A. It was formed in 1976 as a non-profit organization with the objectives to promote education and demonstration of energy conservation, environmental stewardship, and appropriate technology located on 53 acres of leased crown land 
near Pine Falls. The center's primary focus is to provide conference and retreat center services to small groups and organizations which share or appreciate Masqua's objectives. So I just thought, hey, that sounds really cool. And it's a part. It's something I didn't even know existed. Agreed. So we wanted to say thanks. And Pine Falls is a nice area. I got uh, we got I got a friend who has family out there. It's awesome. Uh, sorry, Brett. I'm just I'm on the website as well. And uh, yeah, it looks like a really neat uh, opportunity for for people to find some alternate accommodation, maybe for a larger group, and uh, get in touch with nature and and at the same time uh, connect either with your family or with uh, the people you work with. Really neat spot. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today and tomorrow. Our question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid. Worried about your debt? Call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. We are asking you a simple question. Do you still wear masks in public? And we've posted this on our website, cjob.com. We've posted it on Twitter at 680CJOB, and we've posted it on Instagram as well. And so far at CJOB.com, we've got 33% who say sometimes, 32% who say, nope, I'm done, 19% say always, and 16% say almost never. So it's kind of uh, similar results on Twitter and Instagram as well on um, Actually, just on uh, looking at the Twitter results, nope, I'm done leading the way at 36% and an almost identical result. Actually, it is an identical result, 36% leading the way on Instagram as well. So feel free to weigh in on any of those platforms. And you can also weigh in on text at 204-780-6868. But right now we want to, we talked about bombers earlier. Mm-hmm. As fans of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers revel in their team's 6-0 and start, Fans of the Winnipeg Jets are potentially engaged in some extra strenuous hand-wringing today. Yes, and there are, of course, thousands of sports fans, Brett, who fall into the category of being both a Winnipeg Jets and a Winnipeg Blue Bomber fan. And for those individuals, it has been a mixed bag of sportsing's emotions this weekend. Jim Toth has his fingers on the pulse of both teams and fan bases. Good morning, JT. Good morning. How are you? We're doing okay. Now, I want to know what on earth compelled you to golf midday yesterday, but that's <laughs> that's for a couple minutes from now. First, we have to get into this. Uh, what on earth is going on with Pierre-Luc Dubois? Well, first of all, to the golf thing, I question that myself, but that's for another day. Um, it's it's interesting. It's, uh, it's gone from a, a place where I thought he was doing what most guys who know they're going to get paid extremely well – do uh, going into free agency. I've mentioned some players in the past. I mean, we just saw Johnny Goudreau do this. Uh, Austin Matthews didn't sign into free agency and long-term deals like that. So I just uh, assumed that PLD was uh, doing what he uh, uh, was allowed to do under this and go to free agency. It appears not to be the case. It appears Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to be a Montreal Canadian. All we have is his uh, information from his agent who keeps pushing for this and now has publicly said this. So uh, it looks to be like Pierre-Luc Dubois does not wish to be a Winnipeg Jet long-term or now even in the short term. And uh, we're sort of waiting for some more word on this, but clearly his agent has uh, pushed and then publicly said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing because he doesn't have a contract, I can say this, he wants to play in Montreal. 
Um, so he could have filed for arbitration yesterday, which would allowed him to play for the Jets next year. He did not. It just keeps more options open for him to continue to explore what he wants and where he plans to sign. There is the opportunity for an offer sheet to come from the Montreal Canadiens. Most likely case scenario, unless it's in and around the $8 million range, I would assume the Jets would match that anyway, and then he would be forced to play for the Winnipeg Jets. So I think he's just keeping his options open as of right now, but it's a clear indication what we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks and and even at the end of the season when he said he was opting to not sign long-term here that Pierre-Luc Dubois does not want to be a Winnipeg Jet at least long-term and now looks short-term as well. If we were putting this on a meter, JT, I think I would put the uh, needle squarely on trying to force the issue and to, you know, force the Jets to help him find a way to Montreal versus him keeping his options open. But that's just my point of view. Yeah, it it doesn't mean that he won't play for the Jets. And it doesn't mean that come this training camp, if he is still here as a Winnipeg Jet, he won't play hard. But let's keep in mind, he does have a history of this in Columbus. He was not getting along with the organization. He did not want to sign long-term there. And then he had, quote-unquote, the shift, where it looked like he would have rather have been swimming on his stomach on the ice and actually skating hard and performing. It was his last shift in Columbus and he came to Winnipeg. Now, again, I don't want to say that that's what he's going to do. Should he be remaining a jet, but all indications point to, and the only person we hear from in this so far is the agent. And the agent has literally said, Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to play in Montreal. He has not said that he won't play in Winnipeg this year or next year, but he has followed all indications, including not filing for arbitration um, to be a Winnipeg Jet. So it's just another ominous question mark around the Winnipeg Jets this offseason and uh, what Kevin Cheveldayoff might want to do. We've heard some, some stories that there was some trade offers being made between the two clubs, certain players. Uh, we've, we've heard that there was up to three players offered for Dubois, but it was not one of the players that Kevin Cheveldayoff would want in return. And again, we know about Cheveldayoff's patience, so um, I don't think he's going to be forced into a corner. And as ominous as this looks that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois will not be here long-term, I don't think he's going to be forced to do something short-term. Kevin Cheveldayoff has always done what's best for the club. And if the right deal isn't there with Montreal, what's best for the club is to have Pierre-Luc Dubois in the lineup. Whether he'll be happy about it and whether he'll perform, that might force another decision for Kevin Cheveldayoff. But right now, we don't know that. We just see the indications that uh, Montreal and Pierre-Luc Dubois seem to want to have a relationship and a contract, but that's easier said than done right now with the Jets holding his rights. So outside of making that trade, Jim, what are the Jets' options here? Well, they could, you know, um, well, there's several options. They, they could do the trade and they could send him to Montreal, but I don't know the optics around that. We all know how difficult it is to get players to come to Winnipeg anyway. Um, and if you were just to give in and do that. However, there could be a trade that could involve, I think it needs to start with and end with uh, Nick Suzuki. If they want to send Nick Suzuki here, I think Kevin Cheveldayoff would like that and make that trade. But he's also looking at his salary cap, what he's going to do going forward. And we all know Kevin Cheveldayoff doesn't just look at this upcoming season. He looks at the cap for the next three to five years, and that would have to be be there. The other option is, is that, Pierre-Luc Dubois signs a, a one- or two-year short-term deal that, that gets him in a Winnipeg Jets uniform and on the ice. Worst-case scenario is they hold his rights. There's no contract negotiated, agreed upon, and Pierre-Luc Dubois 
just sits out and doesn't get paid and, and faces suspension, and the Jets don't have a player in their lineup of his caliber to fill the role. So those are three of the most forefront options. I'm sure there's some other ones out there that this could play out in different ways. And again, I don't know anything more than the fact that this is, is seems to be the movement to get him to Montreal. I'm not saying he wouldn't be happy as a Jet for the next year or two or, or put in a good effort, but clearly if he doesn't want to be here, this is what we're going to be talking about for the next two months until this is resolved. But it could be another option of he comes to training camp and he's a Winnipeg Jet again this year. Jim, we do need to follow up on the, the golf question because I, I got to Kingswood <laughs> yesterday morning at around 9.30 and Darren in the pro shop says, hey, Tolson's coming in today and I said oh what time he says one o'clock and I thought that's a late start on a hot day I realized that it's just golf it's not like we're out digging a ditch or something but yesterday was a hot day and that's a that's a late time to to start a four hour to five hour activity in that heat so how was the heat for you like did you tap out We got the 18 holes in, but I I will say this. I like the heat. I don't mind golfing in 30, 33 degree, 35 degree heat. I rather enjoy it being out and doing something like this on a hot day and I hydrate well. However, the humidity yesterday was a different story and and that was a a little crazy on our part. Um, we had a foursome book Saturday morning at like uh, 8.52. And, of course, with the thunder showers and the rain, it got rained out. So two of us just wanted to golf this weekend. We haven't golfed much. It was only my second round. So we looked at the, where we could get on, and in the afternoon, we thought we'd head out to Kingswood. Um, I, I don't know if I'd do it again, but uh, it was okay. Like, we hydrated well, but the golf was not good. That heat, um, I mean, I'm not a great golfer to begin with, but my game was nowhere anywhere near where it should be just exhausted by the the 10th or 11th hole but we pushed through and got it done i mean as they say with fishing uh, a bad day of golf is better than a good day at work so i enjoyed it but i'm not sure i would do it again it was extremely hot out and uh it did affect us as we went through it but we hydrated well good that's a smart plan because uh you know it, it it's funny how it just sort of sneaks up on you and you think like i'm not doing i'm just playing i'm playing a game i shouldn't be this tired but yeah and, I'm, and i certainly don't want to sound like i'm complaining because it was gorgeous yesterday not a cloud in the sky it wasn't super windy um okay so there's that and we just we do need to ask you a football question before we send you on your way jim have you seen the blue bomber fan base as hyped as they are right now, lots of swagger. Yeah, no, it, it, I was saying this last week on the show. It is a great time to be a Blue Bomber fan. At back-to-back Great Cup championships, they've waited so long to have this. Even when you win one championship, there's always apprehension of whether you can do it again. This is a fabulous time to be a fan. I was at the game on Friday. The atmosphere was outstanding. I mean, uh, I, I equate the, the atmosphere there to an outdoor concert. Everybody was happy. Everybody was into it. Uh, it. It was loud. It was just a great atmosphere to be around CFL football. And they should be excited. This is a really good football team. I, I think that the, the signs of it is I don't think they've played their best football yet, and yet they're 6-0. and um, their best game of the year by far was in BC. I think Calgary killed themselves with some penalties on Friday. But that being said, this is what championship teams do: is they pull out games that they maybe don't have their best performance. This is another rock solid lineup they've put together, even without the Andrew Harrises of the world and some of the other key players that have moved on over the past couple of years. 
it's hard to keep reloading at this caliber that they are and they have. And I think Bomber fans should be loving every minute of this and taking it all in. Um, it's another great season shaping up for them, and it's another great couple of years for them. I think when this is all said and done, um, and what I mean by that is if they don't keep performing at this high level, eventually it will catch up to them. This will look back on in the history of the Blue Bombers as one of the best couple of years in the organization ever, and uh, Bomber fans, I think, should be enjoying every minute of it. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. 21 wins in their last 22 home games, 12 straight. Uh, the atmosphere was absolutely electric at IG Field on Friday night. I think the atmosphere rivaled that of the West Final last December at IG Field, and that's saying something else. Jim Toth, Jets at Noon with you and Cam Poitras, 12 till 1, and then it's the Jim Toth Show from 1 till 3. We appreciate you making time for us this morning, buddy. Anytime, fellas.